I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. Hudson. (laughs) Welcome all to a game of my life with the governor, Alan Hudson. Buddy, we're going to talk about the 1971 Cup Winners' Cup final in Athens. We're going to talk about the lead-up to it and, you know, the aftermath and, and everything that surrounds Chelsea's first European conquest 50 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, really, and it's it's it's... It's still a, a fantastic talking point of of what happened. It was a it was a record record uh, earth breaking shattering thing at Stamford Bridge. Really, they'd never seen nothing like it. It it was a little bit uh, along the lines of this lockdown season in many ways, a pandemic season because the crowds were very sparse in Athens. They didn't know about the the replay when the replay was going to be. It was all a cock up, a complete cock up, much like the footballers Eve days with all these games played on ridiculous days. That's what happened in Athens. And, uh, it was again going back to the pub team thing. We were we started off in in Greece. We started our first game in Greece against Salonika, and there we we found ourselves back there against the once greatest club team on on earth. Greece is the word. The Real Madrid yes. team uh, that that. Um... Two evenings, because I did make one or two little changes. But Borgia was in goal. Luis Benito, Zocco Piri, Zuni Zinigua, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Grosso, yeah. uh, Valaguez, Perez, Amaro. And the only name that I uh, remember or recognise is Francisco Hento, who was one of the great Real Madrid players of the 50s, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was he was in with the great Di Stefano and Puskas and yeah. all them, and uh, he played in that side. So, and and it is a family, and Johnny Ball still laughing because Johnny Ball marked him and uh, he swapped shirts with him, and uh, he had the Hento, he had Hento's shirt, and he was drunk one night in America when he was in Tampa Bay, and he he gave it away <laughs> <laughs> as a as a present to somebody. I said, that's not what you do, John. You don't do things like that," he said. "Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time." And, he said, and I, I said, "What was I? You know, I can remember Hento coming on, and he forgot to take his watch off, which made me laugh. I thought, with all your experience, you don't come on the football field with your watch on." And he tossed it to the bench, and he was running along the line with a ball. It was like it was like a Sunday game. It was like a, a game over the park, you know. I looked up because because only because of the build up and the youth are not knowing what was going on. It, it it was it was quite funny and had a few of our boys which we'll go on to uh see it that way on the Thursday in between the games. Yeah, and, and that was the first game, but they did make a change. Uh Fleetus come on in the uh played in the second game instead of Perez. And um Gento was uh, was on the bench. 
uh, Manuel Bueno yes. played, so that's where the watch comes from, that he yes, wasn't quite yes. prepared. Yeah. Well, he wasn't prepared, but, you know, I, and I, I suppose being, the, being 65, you, he couldn't have done the 90 minutes. <laughs> but, um, but the, you know, the Johnny, Johnny Ball scenario is, is, is fantastic when, you know, he tells people he marked Hento and they all think they marked him when he was the real Hento. But uh, it it, it didn't, doesn't really tell the the whole story, and then the actual what nobody ever touches on, and you know we all love we all love the, the success story, and we, and it was a great feat what we what we did. But uh, I think the key moment was when, and I watched it the other day. I didn't see him get injured, but he not even a commentator knew about it. A commentator on it, he said, "Piri looks like he's." holding his arm like he's uh, he's hurt his arm. Well, I see Perry come out the tunnel before the game with a plaster, like a half plaster calf on his arm from the first game. So he got injured in, and that swung the game our way. You could see when they say about one player don't make a team, Perry was the most incredible player. And I've looked him up and seen what a player he was for Real Madrid and Spain. And, uh, and he showed that in the first game. He was magnificent. And, uh, you know, on a on a lower scale, you know, you've seen what Aston Villa are like without Jack Grealish for the last twelve games. Yeah. Well, this this showed you in the replay that I said to, I can I can remember Charlie Cook and myself looking at each other and thought, well, this is our night because he, you know, I played with a broken arm, I played with a broken hand, in fact, uh, against Ajax, and uh, you just can't you can't play a hundred percent when you you you've got injuries like that. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't be allowed to play in the modern day game. But he played this night with a half, with a very badly strapped arm, and and that cost Real Madrid the game. I think. Now the first game. Can you remember the Chelsea lineup, Al? Um, I I I, I, I could hazard a guess. Yeah, go on. Let, let's. Uh, um. Because I know. I know. David Webb and John Dempsey and Ron Harris played. I know Eddie McCready was injured, wasn't he? Yes. He didn't, he didn't like. take part. Yeah. He was he was having a torrid time with injuries at that time and uh, and, and personal problems, I think, yeah. uh, which we won't go into. But yeah. Eddie was a fantastic friend of mine and uh, I know he was, he was having a, a bad time at that time. So I would imagine uh, we bought Paddy Maligan by then. Uh, Paddy was sub. Paddy was sub. Well, Johnny Ball was right back. Yep. Yeah, Johnny Ball was one of those players today who would be worth his weight in gold uh, because he could play there and he could come into midfield and do a job. Uh, you know, the only the he couldn't play up front because he was too small. But although Werner plays up front, but I, I think he was a better player than Werner. Um, and and obviously he couldn't play in goal. But John John was a great utility player. I would uh, did John Hollins play? Uh, yep, John played. In the first yeah, he game, he didn't he played, play yeah. in the second. No, no, there's a, there's a very good story behind that as well. Um, and then, obviously, Osgood, yep. Tommy Baldwin, Keith didn't Weller. Didn't play in the first game. Tommy was sub for the first game. Yeah, yeah. Keith played. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I only mentioned Tommy because uh, I've, I've seen flashes of the replay when he came on and done so well. Uh, and Nobby Houseman, obviously, yeah. Yeah. 
and Charlie and obviously yourself and the great yeah. uh, Peter Benetti was in goal. In yeah. the second game, Tommy came in for John Hollins. John didn't play in the replay. The first game was on the 19th of May and Dave gave you the day off on the Thursday and you played on the Friday. 45,000 was the attendance in the first game. 19,917, I think the Madrid fans went home and the Chelsea fans slept rough in Athens and on the beach. <laughs> yes, they did. That, they? Uh, and uh, that was, you know, that was a time when it, if it happened today, well, it couldn't happen today. It's too yeah. ridiculous. Well, well, you could do it. Yeah. They'd have brought the VAR on to see what what to do for the replay but um, because we, we haven't really come forward we, we have in years but we haven't in intelligence but in, in, at that time um, we had the, the most incredible fans I remember the year before Manchester United fans told me that uh, when we played the replay up at Old Trafford they said that the, it was blue that night it wasn't red the, the Chelsea fans went up there in their droves and they, they, they took over Manchester and and when the push came to shove in Athens, that they couldn't, no one could believe that we had to stay over and play again on the Friday. The all the boys, the, by all accounts, they only went for the one night, and they were flying home that night or first thing in the morning. Next thing you know, they wanted to stay for the replay. So, so they all pulled their money. They all put their money in, and they, they looked after each other. Some slept on the beach, uh, and stayed over and flew back the next day, uh, and. We were supposed to arrive back in Heathrow on the Thursday morning, and and instead of that, we got back two days later on the Saturday morning. Uh, so that's how much of a cock-up that was. Can you remember much of the first game? Because I scored um, nine minutes in, well, 11 minutes into the second half in the 56th minute, and Zocco scored the equalising goal pretty much with the last kick of the game. He scored in the 90th minute. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I can't. I can't remember too much. Uh, you know that they say when you play an FA Cup yeah. final, embrace it. You know, it's, sometimes it goes, it flies by, it goes over your head, and you wish you could play the game again. Um, I remember I should have gone in the record books. I was through with a goalkeeper to beat, and a, a, a London tackle smashed me to the ground. It should have been a penalty, but I should have. I would have scored had this fella not fouled me. So I'd have been in, in, in the record books as the first Chelsea scorer. And I carried that injury with me through the game. It was what we called, you, you know, you must have had it. He scored a dead mm. leg. Or, yeah. You know, they done me in the fire. And I was I was more concerned about... And I wasn't concerned throughout that game because I didn't know we were going to draw it, obviously, and go to a replay. But uh, the game kind of passed us by and it, went, it seemed to flash by, you know. And when they scored in the last minute, it was... Yeah, I, I really, you, I really wouldn't. I would be telling you a lie if I knew what went through my mind. Mm-hmm. And and the after after match, I don't really know what we'd done after the match. I haven't got a clue. It's it was as if it, it was as if you you were living some kind of dream, you know. And yeah. you just woke up the next day, and I thought, my God, I'm, I I missed last year's FA Cup final. I'm not going to miss a replay. And I, I didn't even tell them that I was injured. And uh, I went to the flea market and uh, tried to walk it off. And I thought, the more I keep on the move, that's how you keep this. You know, you today you'd like probably ice it and keep the hot and cold treatment, whatever, uh, which, we, which we used to do. But I, I just thought by walking it off and uh, I walked it off and then I jumped 
come back to the hotel and on the way I just stopped off at the Athens Hilton to have a look to, you know, I've, not that I'd wanted to go and swim, but when I looked by the poolside, I see three of our top players sitting there having a party. And that was on the Thursday afternoon, Thursday lunchtime, which which was, uh, I said to Peter Osgood, you're supposed to celebrate after the game, Os, not before. And he said, leave it to me. So that was that was enough. But David said, um, you can have the day off Thursday. Um, I remember watching um, an interview with Peter Osgood and he says, well, we've just done what we usually do on a day off. We went and had a drink. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's but... true. It's, but he, I mean, he couldn't have a training session because yeah. at that stage, it was it was late May. We'd already played 50, 60 games that season mm. with the FA Cup, the League Cup and the, the league matches it come to and then got through to the final. I mean, we must have played 60 matches that season. Yeah. Uh, so tra- a training session weren't going to make any difference. A team talk wouldn't have made any difference because they didn't even know about the other team. He knew as much about the other team as what we did, and I'd never heard of Piri. Uh, and then you come against, you come up against a player like that when you haven't been told about him, and you find out uh, it was much like playing against Alan Ball in 1970 at Goodison, and you know he's my God. What a performance! And uh, and then now we had to, con- you know, put up with this fella Piri, and he was magnificent. And uh, you know, you might say, yeah, the, uh, they were a bit short in other positions, and that's why all round we, you know, again our spirit got us through. But that um, that Thursday round uh, the pool in the Athens Hilton, there was uh, I think there was us, Charlie Cook, and, uh, and Johnny Baldwin. With Johnny uh, Fennell as well was there, wasn't he? One of your Johnny pals. Johnny Fennell, my our one of the most famous people that ever come out of Chelsea was a fella called, called Johnny Fennell, and um, he was a terrific footballer. He had lots of ability, like many many uh, of his generation. Yeah, he played in a cup. For, he played at Wembley uh, in an amateur cup final with a fella called Billy Digweed, uh, whose uh, uh, nephew still lives around here. Um, so they they had a, the, John knew what he'd like to play at Wembley. John was a big Chelsea supporter and he was a big Charlie Cook fan. And he and they sat round. They sat round and they were, they had two tables pushed together to get all their drinks on it. There was so much alcohol on their table. And I always think to myself, it would have made a great. You know, it's like the Marx Brothers. It would have made a great comedy if the the Real Madrid coaching manager and coaching team had walked into and seen our players sitting there on a Thursday afternoon and they had a fall. Oh, well, they're not playing tomorrow, them three. You know, that's Andy, the three of their best players. And that's Charlie Cook, Peter Osgood and Tommy Baldwin. They're not playing tomorrow. Oh, that's good. And then all of a sudden, uh, out they walk and uh, Osgood scores again. Like only Oz could do. Only Oz could do it. He said to me, "Go." I said, what are you doing? He says... You know, uh, he's going back to what's going on, um, and he said to me, "Look, you've got you've got a knock on your leg, son. Walk it off and go home and have an early night because you got to do my running for me tomorrow. And uh, in return, I'll score." And he did. And and you was just nineteen, so you were still a teenager. Al, twenty first of May was was the replay. That was you know a month before your uh, your twentieth birthday. You must have been one of the youngest players, British players, to have been in a cup-winning side in Europe? 
Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never, I've never really looked it up. But and uh, I think I'd come, I'd come a, a long, long way. Uh, what happened to me in Europe was probably one of the great experiences uh, to play against. Uh, probably one of the greatest players in the world at that time. We we played in Bruges in Belgium, and they had a fabulous team, and they should they they were they should have knocked us out. Uh, over there in Belgium, they beat us two 0 They should have beat us eight yeah. 0 A goalkeeper, John Phillips, was out of this world, uh, and uh, they had Robbie Rensenbrink on the left wing, and he was known as the George Best uh, on that side of Europe, mm. and he was a magnificent player. He was, he really was, and uh, you know, it, the, just the experience alone, uh, you know, it's like when football fans talk about football, and I say, well, you don't know until you've been on the field with them. Yeah. And they say, yeah, yes, we do. We can see, you can see on telly, or we was at the game, but you really don't know until you've you've been close up and personal with these people. That the Robbie Renton Brink was, you know, you know, you've seen George Best on telly, haven't you? With the goal against West Ham, we beat about five players in no space, and he and he, he scored. You know, the football fans think they they know that, how that happened, but they don't. You know, you act, you actually had to be be on that field of him to see. See the genius, you know, and, and and I suppose it's like all these Spaniards tell their grandchildren what it's like to, to try and get the ball off Lionel Messi, you know. A, a spectator might think they know how to do it, but they don't. But you're absolutely right, Al, and, and you hear so many times on the radio where um, the, the the pro will say, yeah, but you've never played the game. And and sometimes it winds the uh, the, the fan up. They go, oh, I've played the game. You know, yeah, yeah. you played in a Sunday league team or for your school team. This is yeah, a different yeah. level. And you're spot on. Unless you've played the game and played against those players, you do not know how great those players are. Well, yeah, yeah, and and on top of it, Paul, it's it's on top of it, and it's something that I've always said, and in, in, in our in our issues, you know, it's um, there's a difference between a club player and an international player. You, it's a step, it's a step up. It's yep. a, you know, this is why the Grealish thing keeps kept cropping up at the beginning because they said, well, he won't be able to do it at that level. And I've always said that you put the bigger the stage you put this kid on, the better he's going to be. And you can see he just oozes the confidence that he wants to play on that big stage. Give me the ball, and he get, he don't pull his he don't put his shin pads on and pull his socks up when he plays. Thing he plays exactly the same way as he would if if he was in the back streets. Uh, and that's what you call genius. And when you play against people like that, you know, my, I got a friend in London. He, I, I'd said to him about three years ago about this Grealish. He said, yeah, but he keeps falling over. <laughs> I said, I said, you're quiet. I said, you're, I said, he's, um, he's from Dublin. Mick, Mickey, Mickey Heffernan. He's a, he's, a, he's a very, very intelligent man. And I said, Mick, for someone intelligent, what are you talking about? You just don't know nothing about football. You support Manchester United. You talk about George Best. You know George Best. You know Dennis Law. You know these people. You know Paul McGrath. But you don't know nothing about football. Jack Grealish doesn't fall over all the time. He he encourages people to tackle him where they shouldn't tackle him. Do you not understand? And then three years on, he's still saying the same thing. Yeah, but he still falls over. It doesn't fall over. <laughs> it doesn't fall over. I said he gets up and he picks up the ball, looks at the other player and he says, thank you for that and takes a quick free kick in a dangerous area. Do you understand it? But some people you just can't educate. 
They don't know. If he keeps falling over, I'd go to the doctors because clearly you've got yeah. low blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> he gets yeah. yeah, and you've got no balance. You know, he's got the greatest balance. When he's got the ball at his feet, he's got the most <laughs> superb balance. So why would he be on the floor all the time? Oh, He'd be... And they said the other night when he came on for the last quarter of an hour of the game, they said, although he's been out for 12 weeks, he's still the most fouled player in the Premier League. <laughs> well, that tells you a story alone. Why do they keep fouling him? Because they can't, the only way to stop him. Exactly. And another stupid thing that they say yeah. is, uh, well, what Villa do? They always give Jack the ball. Well, that's common yeah. sense. Every Absolutely. football team, when you got the ball for Chelsea, you'd always look for Osgood because you know that yeah. if Ozzy's got the ball, there's more chance of Chelsea scoring and hence the goal in all the big games, Ozzy yeah. always delivered because Absolutely. he was a superstar and a great yeah. centre forward that we had in this country, probably yeah. the world at the time. But that game, yeah. you're right, against Bruce, coming back on the plane, what was it like? Was it just that feeling of, geez, how did we get away with that? We can still do these in the, in the replay back at the bridge, but it is a big, big ask. Well, it's funny you should ask a question because that's a question that nobody's ever asked me, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I remember talking to Bill Folks about the Munich air crash and I, I had to be very touchy. Yeah. He was a very t- but he was fantastic about it and he, he told me how he felt and and no one's ever asked me, what was it like, the feeling coming back from Bruce, knowing that you've, you're going you're going home? And it was the first time that we hadn't stayed over. I remember we flew back because it was such a short trip, I suppose. Uh, we stayed up, we flew back that night. And I remember sitting on the aeroplane having a, having a beer and uh, and looking out the window and staring into into the, into the into the abyss, uh, abyss, I suppose, and I think I'm wondering how on earth we got away with 2 0. I really couldn't believe. And John Phillips, on my life, he should have got a, he should have got a special medal that night because it was. If you see when people speak about Schmeichel when he played at Newcastle that night and he stopped an avalanche, you know this was John Phillips in in Bruges and it was a performance and half he put in and we would have been dead and buried. We would have been beat five, six, seven, and we wouldn't have been worth even turning up at the bridge for the second leg. But we come away there 2 0. Osgood had been out for eight weeks, suspended for playing up with referees and, you know, talking back to referees, telling them what they really are. And uh, and then he, he was back after eight weeks for the replay. So that kind of gave us that kind of. If he hadn't have played in the replay, we were out. Yeah. We would never have come back from a 2 0 deficit against Bruges. And you're right, that's what Oz gave Chelsea. I mean, you've said before yeah. on, on podcasts, you saved asking more times than your average dermatologist. Absolutely. And plus, plus the fact, you know, when you see in the modern day, you know, um, this might have been, this might have applied to us that night. We might have had 85% possession against yeah. Bruges at Stanford Bridge and not scored yeah. because we had no Osgood. Yeah. And this is why teams today have 80% percent possession because they've got nothing up front this is why fulham fulham got relegated Fulham, we said they go down the first game of the season they have 80 percent possession because they've got nothing up front to stick the ball in the net they got a center forward who scores in the championship but stepping up to that level in the premier league and i think he scored one goal season or two goals mm. uh, uh the 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 kid uh, you know, and that is why, that is why the, this Werner again yesterday. You know, uh, forty-five million or fifty million they paid. You know, where where do they get these players from? 
uh, 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 as we were watching the game yesterday, I said, well, what would Jimmy Greaves have been worth today? You know, my God, mm. why do you, why do you Chelsea sports keep sticking up for this fella and say, look, he's no good, you know? If he was on trial at Chelsea, they would have sent him back. Yeah. But because somebody upstairs in the, with a suit on paid all this money for him, they got to persevere with him. And that's what happens. But that perseverance in, uh, in, in 1971 with Osgood, it was 2-0 after full time. Going into extra time, you ran out winners 4-0. And as shell-shocked as you guys must have been going back to the bridge from uh, Bruges, they must have been absolutely shell-shocked going back from from Stamford Bridge to Bruges. Because when you've got a team like that, you've absolutely outrun them, you've absolutely outplayed them. You should have got more than two goals taken into the next leg. To come back getting beat 4-0, they, they just must have been absolute shot. Well, absolutely. And I, I think... Uh... We felt we know how they felt because yeah. the following year, we as holders, we got knocked out by a Swedish team. And we, on the aggregate score over two legs, it should have been about 16 1. Mm-hmm. They had one shot in two games, and that was the one that knocked us out. And so they must have thought if only John Phillips hadn't have had that game, or why didn't we take our chances in Belgium? You know, how they never went through. And they were, as I say, whoever won the European Cup that year, Bruce, Bruce would have beat them. They they were the best team in the competition. Um 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 that night at Stanford Bridge they they still talk about it being the best best night they've ever had there because they didn't believe and uh, the only the only belief they had and obviously <laughs> I don't know if Waddington was in the crowd but that's why I wanted to you know break the record to buy Osgood uh, when nobody else wanted him. There's only one player in the country at that time that could have could have got us through and it was him. And previous round, you went to Sofia to play CSKA, who had a magnificent home record, as did all of those Eastern Europeans going there behind the Iron Curtain. That was a bloody tall ask. But you ran out uh, 1-0 winners in, in both games against Sofia, didn't you? Yeah, well, that that kind of suited that that suited us. I think sometimes uh, it's probably like the boy girl situation. You know, you see a beautiful girl at the other side of the bar, and you don't know them. You know, and you don't think you've got any chance. You know, but then all of a sudden, you know, that was us. We did, we didn't know anything about CSKA. We didn't even know anything about all our opponents. There was no Sky TV. That, that we couldn't read up about them. We never thought about that. We just thought we'd take every game as it comes and take take our chances. It, there's a, it was a pub team attitude again, you know, uh, and with the spirit. If we could beat Leeds the year before, then we could beat anybody was the way we looked at it. Not knowing that the quality of these teams that we were playing was fantastic, you know. They, they, were, they were such a good side. Uh, um Apart from the the first game against Salonica where we drew one all, the the teams were superb, and the only the only team that I knew we'd beat was Manchester City in the semi final. We were the holders, and that leads us nicely to that semi final because they were the holders of the Cup Winners Cup. They were also the holders of the FA Cup, wasn't they? In '69, and that, that's how they yeah. got there in '70, won it, and then you played them in the semi final in '71 again. Two close games, one nil, one nil. Yeah, I, I remember. I knew we'd beat them as soon as they ran out because they had shirts on, like the tablecloths in that, uh, my favourite restaurant. 
they they were like the most diabolical shirts, and they didn't look like the Manchester City that uh, won the league a couple of years before. That fantastic team, one of the best teams I've ever seen. And I, I see him play at Craven Cottage one day, and the football under Allison and Mercer, they were fantastic. But they were coming. They were they were coming to the end of uh, Summerby and all them, Colin Bell and whatever. But we beat them easy. We beat them. They were two the easiest one nil games we ever had, and. Uh, we went to Manchester, having won the first leg one nil, and we we it was a breeze really, uh, and uh, I, I I don't know it just uh, I do I do believe sometimes like Leicester winning the FA Cup yes I do believe sometimes your name's on it you know yeah. you're right and and again rolling on to to, to modern day um, you know Chelsea in another big final. Against Manchester City. <laughs> well, they're going to now. Now this now this manager has come under scrutiny after yeah. yesterday. Um, you know, we uh, we did a podcast the other week with uh, thank thanks to you with Dennis Mortimer, and uh, you know he talked about how Villa won the European Cup with not one international in the team. Mm. I was talk I was talking about the back wall, you know, the Stoke situation with Greenoff not getting a cap and he said well we won the European Cup I mean what a that just about sums the national team up doesn't it yeah, it does you know which which what a team that was as well what a, what a brilliant football team they were at that time and they won it by playing football mm-hmm. um, they didn't do it like Wimbledon beating Liverpool and Wimbledon getting their success by with Vinnie Jones and all that lot they, Aston Villa were a terrific football team and, and obviously Dennis was a captain and he said, yeah, Al, he said, we won. We didn't have an international team, which just, just sums up the FA and, and the selectors and, and, and the management of, of, of the country. They just they used to pick teams from Manchester United and Liverpool and, and Arsenal and, and, you know, whoever's at the top of the league, whoever ran the league at that time, they, 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 they were the nucleus of the team. Six Manchester United players, five Liverpool players. That's what it used to be. You're absolutely spot on, Al, because apart from 66 and we won it in our own backyard, England have never won a, a, a major tournament, be it the Euros or the World Cup. However, well, I've got to pull you up on that, mate. We've never reached the final. <laughs> we No, we haven't. <laughs> no, we haven't even reached the final. It's we really, Yeah, it's an, it's, it's, it's an incredible... T- I told you about this chap that phoned me from... Greasy the other day from Athens, and he, you know, I said, you know, we haven't reached the final since 1966. Yet, yet Greece have won the uh, European Championships. I, I and I fancied them to win it. I said to my friend around the corner, uh, Billy Hawley, he, he said to me, you you napped them at 50 to one. And well, I said, I want to see them play England. They when Beckham scored the free kick against them in the World Cup. Yeah. I said, this team are a big threat in the. European Championships next year. They won it. Denmark come in as as a wild card. They won it. Denmark. Yeah. And we haven't, with every all these so-called great players that we had, we've never got to a final. And it just, it sums up the FA and it sums up the managers along the way. The managers who pick certain players, you know. Absolutely spot on, Al, because you know. we have won every European Cup, club European Cup, since the 60s, since it started. So we've had massive success at club level, but none at international level. That can't yeah, be yeah, coincidence. I, I, I know, I know. But the, the, the one thing, which is the misleading stat about that is, 
is um, the the reason the reason being is that they were British. They weren't yeah. English. Yeah, that's very they true. Were, they, they were English clubs, but the likes of Liverpool wouldn't have won the league without the likes of Dalglish. Yeah, very you know, good. Uh, and um, you look at Leeds uh, when they were at their best, you know, you got your Bremner and Giles. The, there wasn't two English midfield players like that. Yeah. Um, they were Scottish and Irish and, the, you know, all the top teams, you know, it meant the great Manchester United team, the Paddy Creran from Scotland, you know, the, the, they they wouldn't have won it. I mean, Clough done it um, with, with really, he, he won it with a pub team, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I, this is one of the great mysteries of all time. How Brian Clough won the European Cup twice with that team. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, Terry Curran, who do a regular podcast with, says to me, Derby and Forest, because he played for both. Derby were the better team than Forest, but that they just had Brian Clough, and Clough yeah. was an absolute yeah. genius. Going into the yeah. replay, so everything set up for the second game. Two days after, the boys have sobered up. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like <laughs> leading into the game? What was the dressing room like before the game? Um, I think um, they scored in the last kick of the match, so yeah. we were we were still we were still kind of half deflated, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a game when uh, you know we always laughed, don't we, on the show? We, you know, the funny thing about it, I think I told you the story that I was watching the news one one morning and young Chris Hollins was on, yeah. John Hollins, his son, and he was doing the sports on BBC and there was the European Cup final that night and the fellow who was doing the, the news said, well, now we hand you over to Chris Hollins who's doing the sport and he said, oh, by the way, Chris, he says, your father played in the European Cup final, didn't he? He said, well, it was actually the Cup Winners' Cup final. Well, he did. He said he played in the first leg but never played in the second leg. He says, and on the night, on the Thursday night, Oh, no, on the Wednesday night of the first game, he phoned my mum up, Linda, and he said, Linda, I won't be able to make the wedding tomorrow. She said, what do you mean? He said, because we drew tonight and they kept, they're keeping us over to play on Friday. <laughs> so she said, no, she said, you can't stay. You're best man at this wedding. So he said, well, the football does come before the wedding, love, because it pays the bills. <laughs> So, and he was telling the whole, the whole nation this on BBC. <laughs> so that was our that was our comic call. The whole situation was, and now now we're in the dressing room the next day, and we have a reshuffle. Uh, luckily, you know, um, John Owens was I. Oh, John Boyle told me this the other couple of years ago, and I, uh, the more I think about it, it's true. John Owens should have played right back, really, and just left the. Because me and Charlie Cook played in midfield that night on our own, and we, and we knew we had to be at our best because of Piri. And once we see Piri wasn't 100%, then we that kind of lifted us a little bit more, you know. But I I watched a little bit. I've watched little bits and pieces of it, and, and I think we I've read their side of it. A couple of some quotes from the Real Madrid camp, and they said they were the better team and deserved to win. But I don't think so. I think we I think we were terrific. But again, sometimes they, they, they do that, don't they? You know, oh, we were unlucky, we should have won. Do you know what? You didn't look at the game yeah. on both sides, going back to that old, you know, green-eyed monster, the bias that comes out instead of being truthful and saying, do you know what? We were beaten by the better team. Chelsea ran out 2-1 winners and first goal scored by your mate, John Dempsey. Well, John Dempsey was... Um... 
I, I think I picked uh, an all-time best Chelsea team the other month, and he was John Dempsey was in it. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, biased myself here because I was one, one as a kid. I was a Fulham supporter, and he was. Uh, the Fulham centre half, but I didn't really rate him that highly while while it, when he was at Fulham. But when he came into our team at Chelsea, we made our debut together at Chelsea in a five nil hiding at Southampton, and then six months later we won the FA Cup, and then eighteen months later we win the European Cup with his cup. And I don't think in them eighteen months I see him really put a finger do anything wrong. Yeah. He he was just one of those players that you could, you know, he's like. I said the other day of this Kante that played for Leicester, and it was again yesterday. He was superb yesterday. He was on the wrong team yesterday. Mm. He should have stayed with, stuck with Leicester. Um, he never puts a foot wrong. There's certain players that their standards are so high, and John Dempsey, I love for that. And uh, and apart from that, I love uh, I love about him because he's such a level-headed, modest person, and. Uh, uh, I think I've told you the story that he looked after handicapped children when he packed up and for for 20 years yeah. before retiring. And anyone, you know, you read about these superstars today and how they live their life and he lives on a shoestring looking after handicapped children. So I think that said a lot for, we, we talk about upbringings and everything else and where you come from. And I think that speaks volumes for him. And, uh, and I, I'm sure you'll want to do a podcast with him because he's a very he's a very interesting fella. Uh, and I'll tell you what, one great story I love about this is this is a fella who got the first goal and it was a volley that if it was if it had been Jack Grealish, everyone would have went. That was stunning, you know. Yeah. He was a centre half, but when he was if when he was playing for Fulham, um, he 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 had a, the the weirdest he had a, the silliest sense of humour. And uh, but he was a life and soul of our dressing room, and uh, the Vic Buckingham, I think it was, was manager. And Vic yeah. Buckingham, Vic Buckingham said to him one day, he said, "If you're late one more time, he said, I'm going to find you." And John Dempsey said, "I can't help it. It's, if I'm late, he said, if it's traffic and everything, these are the days. Not like unlike today. There wasn't like today where you get into training an hour before and prepare." You know, these were days. It was like again the pub pub team attitude, and uh, he got to Craven Cottage this morning, and he, in them days they find you a fiver because he was only on about eighteen, nineteen, twenty pound a week, I suppose, in the first division, and uh, he called him in, and uh, John got John got to Craven Cottage at twenty five past ten. He parked his car and he sat in his car till 25 to 11 to be late so Vic Buckingham would find him. So Vic Buckingham called him in. He said, I told you yesterday about I'd find you if you were late again. And he pulled five pounds worth of farthings out of his pocket <laughs> in, a, in a silver wrapper and he put him on his desk. He said, there's your fiver. He said, if it bothers you that much, about me being late, you know. There's, there's, there's more important things in the world. He said, I can only apologise for being late, you know. I mean, the the the, the thing the other day was this Aubameyang, this Arsenal manager, Arteta, had to teach him a lesson and leave him out the other week because he was late. Mm. He said, well, that Tuchel said when I had him, he said I used to tell him that the meeting was a quarter of an hour ahead yeah. so he would turn up on time. There are ways around this, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that was the way that Johnny Dempsey uh, got his point across to Buckingham. 
you know, if you need a fiver that bad, have it. But let's, you know, why not judge me on what I do on a Saturday afternoon? You know. Well, it wasn't late in Athens. It was bang on time. And you're right, what a fantastic volley. 33 minutes, Chelsea 1-0 up. And six minutes later, in 39th minute, Osgood, as he said to you, in the Athens Hilton the day before, young good, you go home and have an early night because you're going to do my running and I'll score. Bang on the money. Timing again, Os delivers. It wasn't so much. I've watched it again the other night. It wasn't so much he scored. I see Werner miss a goal against... uh, Real Madrid the other week from from the six on the edge six yard box and the, and the commentator said well it did come at him a bit quickly, well Pierre Pierre Osgood scored this goal from 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 about twenty just outside the box he just turned swivelled and and slotted it in the corner from twenty two yards or something yeah. it was such great composure just a stroke of genius that that Osgood had and yet they're making excuses for these players who who've been. Uh, transferred for 45, 50, 60 million. I'll give him time to settle in. Well, settling into Peter Osgood and Charlie Cook and Tommy Baldwin was letting them go in the, the Hilton before the game and letting them have a few drinks. That was settling in. And John Dempsey, uh, he was kind of make, he was, you know, he, he was trying to make a case that, you know, I could score as well. You know, if if you put me centre forward, and he told me that once, he said Fulham. He played centre forward for Fulham for about half a dozen games, and I think he scored about eight goals. So it was nothing new to him. He was just an exceptional centre half. And in the 75th minute, Sebastian Fleetus, who was on the bench for the first game, um, started in the second game and scored a goal, two-one. What? Well, 15 minutes to go. What yeah, was it like that? then? Was that a bit shaky? How, how did? Are you any memories about when that ball went in and thinking, Jesus, it's Real Madrid. They come back before. Are they is Lightning going to strike twice in Athens? Well, it's um, it's the Osgood effect again, isn't it? Yeah. We not got the second goal and uh, it had gone one oh I think it might have swung in their favour. Yeah. But uh, again, it was, uh, and if uh, Piri been fit, it would have swung in their favour. But it was all, I, I think, again, uh, with the taking the Bruce thing into how we got out of Belgium alive, and and our, our name was written on, on that cup, there's no doubt about it. Johnny Dempsey probably scored one goal that season. Yeah, probably. Uh, and that was it, mm. you know, and it was a fantastic goal. It was a, one, a, a treasure, you know, it was a treasure. I'd rather score one goal a season, it would be John Dempsey's and 10, and they all be tappings. Yeah. You know, for, no matter what Gary Lineker or Alan Shearer says, I would rather treasure that goal and tell my grandchildren about that. Watch that, you know, because that was just, there wasn't no fluke about it. John Dempsey was that good. Absolutely. The celebrations after Al, it must have just felt like, again, from them scoring that late goal in the first game, from scoring 15 minutes from time in the second, you're holding on, all hands to the pump, etc, etc. When the referee blew that final whistle, you must have been like them Leicester players, dead on your feet, on the floor, but then jump up like a bunny because you've won the cup. And that euphoria, that adrenaline boost must have been able to make you run from Athens back to Stamford Bridge. Well, it was... um... I've got I've got a photograph on the side. I'm looking at it now of me and Marvin Hinton and Stuart Houston, who was uh, 
at Arsenal with George Graham Stewart didn't play, but he was in the squad uh, holding the holding the Cup Winners Cup, and we looked so relaxed, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it was more relief that, that was the end of the the competition because yeah. it was one of so many ups and downs. And we loved going into Europe. It was like going on holiday every other week, you know. It, I think that's the way we looked here as well. And uh, I think we said in another one of our shows that I think we had about four or five divorces that year, uh, you know, with players with aerosis and this, that, and the other. Uh, so it was, it was more than it was. It really would have made, you know, they got this thing on television called Benidorm. Now they reckon it's funny. Well, they should have, they should have had our show on there of going in the European Cup Winners Cup show because it was unbelievable. And and that led to the following year, and we run riot, you know, with blues of colour, and it was then that pants people come into play, and they were, I went down my local restaurant after, and there's four pants people down there with our players, you know, so that was a kind of bunch of players that we had, you know, uh, it was a, the King's Road effect, I suppose, and uh, I think that night I can remember the last thing I can remember that that night was about five o'clock in the morning, sit on the end of my bed with a picture of Peter Osgood, his arms raised after his goal and me coming up to to give him a hug. And that was the last thing I can remember about Athens and looking over the tops of all the houses as the sun come up. I don't think I went asleep. Uh, we'd celebrated and until we couldn't celebrate no more. I think we was exhausted. And I can remember we went to the Fulham Town Hall, which I don't know why what we were doing there, because we we were Chelsea Football Club, but that that's about sums that up. And uh, I remember meeting my my uncle for a celebration drink in my local pub. I was there on my own, and he walked in the pub, and I, my head was on a table, and I I was passed out. I had blacked out with exhaustion. Yeah. So um, so that it was it, it was an exhausting. Uh, you know, this is something that the FA and UEFA, FIFA don't never take in. How could they let players play two games in three days like that? God knows how they must have felt Real Madrid after going for all that and then getting home having been beaten. Yeah. Uh, as you say, we were we were we were flying, we were flying all. We would, didn't need an aeroplane to get home. Really, we could have flown home on our own. Uh, it was it was an incredible it was an incredible experience, uh, and I don't think again I don't think we were given the credit that was due. They still play blue as a colour at Stanford Bridge, and the supporters down there don't know what it's all about. It's incredible, isn't it? And that yeah. Chelsea blue shirt that um, Boilers gave away in a moment of a drunken uh, situation and state. Well, a lot. You, you, you gave yours away, but in a completely different manner and way, didn't you? Well, I did. I thought it was in my thought he'd gone to a grave, my yeah. friend's grave, and it was it was quite something that I got it back. And I'd never, I I I really wish it had gone to the grave. To to be perfectly honest, to keep my friend warm because he died um, too young, uh, and to think that you you were out the, you know, I got the phone call the day after winning it, and uh, Christine Matthews, our secretary, she she said we. I had a phone call with a friend of yours. He's very, very ill, and 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 I took my shirt up, and, and he was in a wheelchair, and I, I just draped my shirt over him. I said, "You always wanted to play for Chelsea. Well, you did. You played last night, Dennis." And uh, 
and he I, I was led to believe he got buried in his shirt and I wanted him to get buried in the shirt and uh, it would have went to a better place to a rightful place and he, uh, and he was such a lovely kid as well and it, it just shows you the two sides of life you know there I am a young man Dennis was maybe a year older than me I used to see him in the pub a lot in the Lord Palmerston uh, with the Mancini's had the big boxing family and and it was almost when he spoke to you that he, he looked at you with with stars in his eyes, you know, if only I could have played with Chelsea. Well, I, I knew that that shirt went to the right place. And when I walked in, and it kind of, from winning the European Cup Winners' Cup and you're on such a high and, and then come down, smash into the ground after seeing him, you know, I think he died about three days later. And, uh, you know, it, it really brings crashing down to earth. Uh, and it shows you what it's all about, really, what life's all about in a short space of time. But it's funny how he, his family asked for me. Um, I suppose you might have wanted it, mainly because I was a local boy, you know, and the local boy made good. Uh, you know, I, I suppose Ozzy, Ozzy would have given his shirt. Charlie would have probably sold his shirt to him. <laughs> Come to that, I think Ozzy would have as well. <laughs> he sold everything else. He sold his FA Cup final medals. I know that. <laughs> but uh, that was a, that was a, that was that was a wonderful thing about that era because it was like it was. I think I wrote in one of my books and somebody commented it was like the 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 budgie area, you know, Adam Faith and all that down the Kings Road. They, yeah. You know, Ian Hutchinson uh, from Burton, and uh, they're all local. They're all, you know, we, we were great. It made you very proud to, you know, the, you know, I, I don't know how Jock, Jock Steen must have felt having the win, win the European Cup with all Glasgow regions in his team. I mean, what what a incredible, incredible feat that was. But we were just all lads from all, all over Britain that got thrown together from Tommy from Gateshead, Charlie come down from Dundee, we had lads from Battersea, one from Chelsea, you know. And then when I went when to Stoke, they had a, a tougher back four and they were all from Stoke-on-Trent, you know. So it makes you wonder, you know, Arsenal have never had a, a decent back four. However many foreigners they bring into this country to play for Arsenal, they will never have a back four like they did with, with the four British... Uh, English lads at the back. Absolutely. Incredible. And again, Incredible. it takes all sorts, doesn't it, to build a yes. team? Yeah, of course it does. All yeah. sorts. Odie, what a fantastic trip down memory lane. Is there going to be, finally, I know that there was a reunion last year, 50 years after Chelsea won the FA Cup. One Alan Hudson didn't get an invite. Absolutely disgraceful. Is yeah. there any talks that there's going to be, a, you know, a, another reunion with the boys of uh, 71? Uh, no, there's, there's, I've had a few uh, people get in touch with me and ask if, if we do podcast. The podcast is in thing now at the moment. Yep. But to be perfectly honest, um, you know, Osgood died too young, Houseman yeah, sure. died too young, Hutchinson died too young. It, it's just the sign of the times. Keith Weller as we, well, of course. And Keith Weller. Keith Weller was only with us for a year, but what yeah. an impact! What an impact he had. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we you couldn't even have a reunion because um, you know the people who played such a big part in it wouldn't be there, and I don't like them things when the main people are not there. Yeah, sure. I'd I'd, I'd rather meet on a different, and I don't uh, I don't particularly like all our <laughs> players. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Anthony. You know, that's a problem. That's a problem I have. Um, but um, you know, I, I I was going down to, to I'm going down next week to see Tommy Baldwin, who's in Eastbourne, and he's not very well. Yeah. I, I, he's very very ill, and uh, I'm going down to see him next week. And Johnny Ball's coming down with me, and I'd rather I'd rather that happen than Chelsea throw a party which uh, which isn't from the heart. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's just for their promotional uh, uh, suits at Chelsea. But um, oh yeah, I'd rather see the lads on my own and talk about what you and I talk about over over the airwaves. Absolutely, and you're going to be doing another podcast with Tony Jimenez with your wonderful Alan Hudson podcast. I think they're absolutely magnificent. It takes it to another level, also. Can I wish yeah, you, thank you and Tony and everybody thanks for listening. All the very best. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Those were the days, my friend. Yes, and they, they've not really ended, have they? You know? We keep talking about them. <laughs> yeah, and what a, what a nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon after Leicester won the Cup. And I, I'm, I, I said before the game, yes, I did an interview for Stoke Radio, and I said, you might find afterwards that they, they'll be, might be looking at this as a, a little bit on a, low, on a lower scale to the Munich air crash because... You know, um, Leicester did it yesterday for that the owner that died, yeah. uh, and I think they pulled a little bit extra out than Chelsea for this fella. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually got the paper in front of me now. It do it for Vichai. Yeah, uh, and they did it for him yesterday, and that couldn't have been nicer. I bet his son was very, very proud sitting there yesterday. And it, it, I mean, it makes, it makes the game all worthwhile. It makes you forget about VAR. It makes you forget about all the idiots in the game. It makes you forget about the FA and FIFA. That was just such a wonderful ending to the FA Cup yesterday. And and for Jamie Vardy to be the only player to have played in every every round for yeah. <laughs> from like the when it starts on a Sunday or something. And I and I said to my mate Peter Millard yesterday, I must I must tell you, we'll end on this. I said to Peter yesterday, Peter's one of my best friends he's a lovely man uh but he's 82 now and we was having a drink and as the as the camera went on to jamie vardy i said peter do you realize he's played in every round the only man to play in every round in the fa cup and he said to me what for the same team (laughs) (laughs) and and then i knew then i knew it was going to be one of them days (laughs) What a wonderful line. Oh, and what a wonderful <laughs> way to go out as well. <laughs> he said, well, for the same team, I went, don't, oh, don't worry, please. It's all right. Don't worry. Oh, another vodka and orange, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same again. Same again. <laughs> Top man, Al, as always. All been right, a mate. pleasure, pal. Speak all soon. Right, Cheers, Thanks, Al. Man. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.